Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Hello, everyone. Oh, I almost sounded like Lando Calrissian there. Hello, what have we here? I'm John Reed. I'm the host of this podcast. Who might you be? Welcome. You truly belong here with us among the clouds. Okay, that you can take that as creepy or whatever you want, but that I just when it started off that way, it sounded like Lando. I had to roll with it. It's cool. It's just it's because Lando's cool. So if Lando's cool and I'm doing a Lando impersonation, then that makes me cool. That was an awkward silence. Um, all right, well, let's move on then, because that's not making me sound any cooler. Uh, you have joined us. You have, whether you realize it or not. You've joined us for episode number 91. Nine, one. We are marching right along to our 100th episode. And uh, we are excited to have you with us. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to us each week. If you are just joining us for the first time, we are some friends that get together that was kind of what we did originally was we just kind of did this in our own free time and we just sat around and talked movies whenever we had a chance. We all worked together, uh, most of us worked together at the same school. We're all teachers and uh, we would just kind of sit around and talk movies, go see movies together and we, you know, some of us had, had really kind of wanted to try out doing a podcast before so we finally, uh, about a year or so ago, decided, hey, let's just start up a podcast and, and you know, we had the idea because there were so many awesome movies that were kind of reaching some milestones um, back in uh, back in 2014, 2015 so we were kind of looking at, all right, Movies from 85, uh, 84, 85, some great movies coming out that year, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, all that stuff. And um, that really kind of became what the podcast is today, is we go through each year and we are looking at movies from that year, good or bad. We don't always cover the uh, the greatest movies in the world, um, but we look at them good or bad and we do a review of them to let you know, is this something, is this a hidden treasure? that you should go back and take a look at, even if it's going to be difficult to find, uh, as Mosquito Coast. This is a little difficult to find sometimes. I found it at my local library. Um, they had a copy of it, but otherwise, pretty much, you're going to buy this thing because there's not a whole lot of other places to see it. So whether you buy it from Amazon or whether you, uh, I think you purchase it from the other uh, one of the other streaming services, I think Amazon Download, uh, you can do it that way too. But um you know, this, so this is just kind of our way to go back through some of the movies uh, from when we grew up and uh, take a look at them one more time. Some of them still timely today, still relevant. Uh, some of them not so much. Some of them a little dated. So, um, yeah, so this time around we've got The Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford. And we're going to be talking this one. But sometimes as we are talking about movies, we do tend to spoil the events of, well, we're going to spoil the events of the movie that we're talking about today, Mosquito Coast. Every once in a while, we will mention other movies, maybe if the actor, you know, Harrison Ford, if he's been in other movies before, 
which apparently he has. I went on his IMDb page, and, and he's got one or two uh, small franchise films, you know, little independent films that he's been in before. So if we're talking about a particular actor, if we're talking about movies that are kind of related to this one, we may go into spoiler territory with some of those too. So we're just kind of letting you know right up front, we may spoil things. So just be aware. Um, if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we have, we're on iTunes. We are on Stitcher, the Satchel podcast player. We're on Google Play. You can do it just directly from our, our website, 30podcast.com. Anything you can do. Um, you know, to listen to the show, to tell your friends about the show. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, give us a review. If you listen to your stuff through iTunes, go in there and give us a review on iTunes. That would really, really help out the show um, so that we can get moved on up in the iTunes uh, rankings. And then the more you get moved up, the more people see your show. So we're just hoping to, we're doing this for fun, um, but we want to share our love with of movies with other people and, and give other people an opportunity to um, come in and listen if they'd like to, if they like what they're hearing. So we just want to get the message out there and, and see if anybody else is interested in the show and doing that by trying to have our devoted, faithful listeners uh, share the show and rate the show as much as possible so we can get that out there. I am joined by none of my co-hosts today. Um, through a series of unfortunate events, uh, we had uh, some of the other guys. Uh, Jeff is in um, rehearsals for a musical that he's going to be doing. And so his, he's kind of uh, off and on on when he's able to make it in for some of our recordings. Again, like I said, we're teachers, so I, we're, we're pretty busy uh, during the week and on the weekends. And um, so sometimes our getting together scheduling to, to record is a little tricky. So Jeff is off doing that. Bo has actually been sick. Uh, he was going to be joining me today, but he's sick. So hope you feel better, Bo. Hopefully by the time this gets out there, you will be feeling better because it'll be a couple of days from now um, or tomorrow, actually. Um, and then um, Dennis and Pat are cross-country coaches, so they are off uh, crossing the country and coaching people in how to cross the country. Uh, so that's what they are doing right now. So here I am. I, I sit lonely in my office, um, a, a tiny little York peppermint patty staring at me right now that I'm trying not to eat because it's my last one. And um, just figuring out what I'm going to say about Mosquito Coast. It's uh, it's an interesting movie. It's an interesting, Well, we'll get into that. I'm, I'm not going to get into that just yet because i got a couple things real quick I want to talk about before we get into the Mosquito Coast. So let's jump in really fast to the new movie news. And we're going to cover these real quick because I don't have anybody else to talk to about this. So uh, I'm just going to jump in and kind of give my thoughts on it, and then we'll go from there. If you have any feedback at all, any feedback from new movie news that we've talked about, from any of the movies that we talk about, if you disagree with us, let us know. You can either jump on Twitter and let us know. We're at 30podcast on Twitter. You can email us. We're 30podcast, 30podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we even have a voicemail line. You can call us and let us know that you totally disagree with everything that we have ever said. Um, so if you want to do that vocally and do that through a voicemail line, you can absolutely do that. Our voicemail number is 872-35-MOVIE, 872-356-6843. So if you want to let us know, a lot of times we record uh, on Monday nights. It just so happens this time we are recording on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, but uh, Monday night was the big presidential debate, so took a little time off there so that we could do our civic duty and watch the debates. Um, 
I will leave the commentary on that to a, a different time and a different podcast. But um, So if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to give us some feedback before we do uh, our shows on each of the uh, movies that we're doing, we'll try to get that out there early enough so that people know kind of what we're doing. If you want to watch before you listen to the show, that's great. Um, we try to put that list out there. But uh, if you have some feedback after the fact, so if you listen to one of our shows and you, like last week we did uh, Stand By Me. So if you like Stand By Me and we said something that you disagree with or that you totally agree with, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I actually had a friend that after we had done, um, oh, which one was it? Ruthless People. We didn't really, I don't think that we were really fans of the movie. Um, but what was funny was, I think that was the one that Jeff and I um, did together. And we weren't really fans of the movie. And then when it came to it, uh, uh, Pat, who wasn't able to record with us, he's like, oh, man, I, I, oh, I, I love Danny DeVito. I love that's so funny. And that, that was such a funny movie. And and then we had another friend that said, oh, that is one of my it's one of my favorite movies. I was I watched that as a kid and I, I love that movie and I watch it all the time. And so we are just a handful of people with a handful of opinions, but we would love to hear your opinions. So if you have an opinion that differs from ours, we want to hear it. We want to know. So let us know any one of those ways. We're all over the place, Facebook, Twitter, voicemail, email, any way that you want to get a hold of us, um, you can get a hold of us. But if you can, if you want to find all of those in one place, go to 30podcast, that's 30podcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all the different ways that you can interact with us interact with the show. So we are looking forward to hear from you. Um, and uh, let's get on to the new movie news real quick. And I've got two things that I wanted to talk about. And I, I wish some of the guys were here because I'd really like to get their take on this. But, you know, maybe if, if they're listening to the show from this week, then um, they can they can chime in next time that we're all together. So uh, Michael Giacchino, and um, I'm probably butchering that name, I've got the next one down. I, I know that I know how to pronounce that one, but uh, Michael Giacchino, the composer, has replaced, and, and this is news as of maybe like a couple weeks ago. This just happens to be the first time that I saw it and, and wanted to comment on it. Um, but he is replacing Alexandre Desplat. There goes my, my French that I learned in high school. Alexandre Desplat, uh, the French composer, uh, as the composer for Star Wars Rogue One. So Alexandre Desplat was supposed to be the composer for the Star Wars Rogue One soundtrack, and Michael Giacchino is now replacing him. So the backstory behind this, supposedly, when they had to come in and do the extensive reshoots of Rogue One, um, and again, there, there have been some differing stories on why they had to do those reshirts, re reshirts, reshoots, See, I'm thinking red shirts from Star Trek. I'm, I'm Michael Giacchino is making me think of Star Trek and J.J. Abrams and red shirts and all that, um, reshoots, if I can speak English today, um, when they had to do all those reshoots, I, I think one of the stories was that that threw off the schedule. And so Alexandre Desplat, then it threw off enough of his schedule that he was no longer available to be the composer for Star Wars Rogue One. Um, I don't know if I buy that because I can't imagine when you're working on a project such as Star Wars... I would think that, and, and I don't know, uh, this is just me speculating, I would think that even if something had to go into an extra two to three weeks of reshoots, that you still would be available to do that movie. I don't know. I'm not a composer, so I don't know what their 
what their schedule is like. Um, but I mean, most times you, you know that movies are going to have to do, go through some type of reshoots now, two to three weeks, which I think is what, if I remember correctly, that's what the star Wars rogue one reshoots are going to be like. That's more than just the usual for most movies. I think most movies are probably somewhere around just a little bit less than a week. Um, maybe around that one week mark, but this one, obviously a little bit more than that. So it kind of sounds like they were really trying to retune the look and feel of the movie. Um, so maybe, maybe that was just too much, and that really threw off the the uh, his timing to be available for it. The other thing I'm wondering is when they went in and had to do those reshoots. Now you would be thinking that at the time, the composer. Well, I know John Williams. You know, a lot of times he's he's coming in. And that's one of the last things that happens with the movies is you're you're coming in, you're composing the score, and I know with John Williams, a lot of times he's doing that when when most of the movie has been finished and. You know, he that that's how he writes the music as he's watching the movie and, and trying to put together. And I know they have temp tracks and, and things like that that they put in in the meantime. But you got to think that Depla probably was working with them on some of those temp tracks and he was probably working with them on, I mean, I, I would imagine that he's done the work of composing a good portion of this movie. This movie comes out in December. I mean, we're only, what, three, two and a half, two and three quarter months away from this movie coming out. So I got to kind of think that, that some of this was already done or a good portion of it was done. Um, I, I don't know when he replaced, um, I was trying to look here and see, um, I don't know if it says in here when he replaced him. Um, no, doesn't say when he replaced him. So I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if this was a while ago, and that gives him enough time to come in and do what he needs to do. But the other thing was, if they had to do all these reshoots to, to get the movie looking more like a Star Wars movie, if it was too far off in one direction, um, you know, too far away from what they look at as being a successful movie that has that look and feel, the, the meat of what Star Wars is, um, maybe his music just wasn't, maybe didn't match up enough. Maybe they listened, maybe they heard part of the soundtrack and they just said, you know, this is not working. Um, so let's replace him. And Michael Giacchino, he has worked, he's worked with J.J. Abrams. He's done other movies. He is a John Williams fan. Uh, he has done other movies that John Williams has been uh, attached to. Uh, he did the music for Jurassic World. He did the music for, I think, a, at least a couple of the Harry Potter movies. Um, so he's someone who pays homage to John Williams and he's someone who can work within the structure of something that John Williams founded, something that he set up. And so, and he's a big Star Wars fan too. I, apparently he was a stormtrooper in The Force Awakens because um, he's also friends with J.J. Abram and has worked with him before. So I, maybe it's just that he has a better sense of what Star Wars will sound like or, or maybe he was more willing to um, work within some of the restrictions of, you know, what Disney said they wanted for this movie. Uh, maybe Deplau wasn't, or maybe it just wasn't, maybe it just wasn't working. Maybe they got part of the way through this and said, no, it just doesn't, it doesn't sound Star Wars enough. We want somebody else that's going to bring kind of a Star Wars feel to this. So, um, what I thought I would do is I'm going to, I'm going to put in some samples of each of their music just so you can kind of hear Judge for yourself. I mean, I, I really enjoy Michael Giacchino's music. I loved that 
soundtrack for the first of the new Star Trek movies. Um, I, that, yeah, love that soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. The music is is exciting and fun. Um, some people claimed at the time that that Star Trek movie was um, one of the best modern Star Wars movies they've ever seen, and the soundtrack kind of fits with that. It, it almost has a, a bit of that kind of feel to it. Um, a little bit less like a Star Trek movie and more like a Star Wars movie. So maybe he's a great fit for Star Wars. We'll find out here in maybe two and a half months. Um, so I'm going to include uh, just a couple little quick samples of some of his music from his movies. And then I'm going to throw in some samples of Alexander Duplat, uh, Duplat, as well. Um, and his music, amazing as well. I mean, he's done a lot uh, with, well, Michael, G- Michael Giacchino, he had The Incredibles, um, Inside Out, Star Trek, um, you know, he's, he's done several movies, and then you have Alexander Desplat, De, De who has done um, several movies as well. I mean, he's got, uh, let's see, I, I had a list here right in front of me, but it's just an amazing range of movies. He did the, uh, he won the Oscar for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, he had also done, let's see, what else did he also done? I think it was the newest Godzilla movie, um, the Queen with Helen Mirren, which oddly enough, Helen Mirren's in the Mosquito Coast that we're talking about today. Uh, connections and um, several other ones, like really, really, really nice soundtracks, just beautiful sounding soundtracks. Uh, Girl with the Pearl, Ear- Pearl Earring, I think, was another one. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll put in a couple of samples for each one of them, and you can take a listen and, and just kind of see or see, you can hear samples of what their music sounds like and you judge for yourself and, and see if you think one maybe is a better fit for Star Wars than the other. Than the, other. the one thing that I'm always a little bit sad about when I hear something like this um, or you, you hear a similar type story is now I'm going to wonder, having listened to some of his music, knowing that he was going to be the composer for Star Wars Rogue One, now I'm always going to wonder what would his soundtrack have sounded like. We've, we've talked about a few movies now um, in the mid eighties on our podcast that had one composer and then somebody stepped in. And on occasion on YouTube, you can find the original soundtrack that the original composer uh, would have had. Um, I don't think we're going to get that with this. You know, I don't think we're ever going to have an Alexander de Plot version of uh, rogue one soundtrack come out. I just, I don't think that enough work was probably done to be able to do that. Um, but it's something I would always be curious about now to be able to hear, you know, what type of, what was he working on? Like what, and, and interested to know if Michael Giacchino would use some of the things that, uh, Alexander de Plot had, um, had started off with for the, the Rogue One soundtrack. So, uh, let me drop in a couple of samples here and you'll be able to listen to them and then we will move on with our next thing. First up is Michael Giacchino for the 2009 Star Trek.
next is the Incredibles soundtrack. Jurassic World. The Twilight Saga, New Moon. The newest Godzilla movie. Alexandre Desplat with uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Okay, last little bit of an New movie news is M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan, I always remember, whenever I hear that, I always hear the, uh, was it uh, King of the Hill? And uh, one of the guys, is he's, men, he's talking about, he tries to say his name. He's like, uh, it's like the movies of M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. But M. Night Shyamalan, who has had a, a bit of a checkered, well, not checkered, that's not the right word, um, hit or miss have been a lot of his movies lately, um, with many of them being miss. But um, he apparently has a new one that's coming out that was just screened uh, in August, or in August, in uh, Austin, Texas. And supposedly it's getting some very, very good reviews. Um, the movie is called Split. And it's um, and thankfully they, they're not revealing what it is yet, but supposedly there is another kind of twist ending with this one. Um, which is kind of his calling card, is to do the the twist ending. Um, but it is a movie about a man that has um, split personalities, and he kidnaps three girls, and um, 
So this character, his his name is Dennis. It's James McAvoy. So already I, I like James McAvoy as an actor. I think he's a good actor. Um, he starts off the movie as Dennis, and he this man kidna- kidnaps three girls. Um, and you, I guess you don't quite find out why he did the kidnapping. Um, but uh, Dennis is not his original identity. Um, he also has identities known as Patricia, Hedwig, Barry, and um, the article I've got here says there's 19 other ones, not including his real one, which is Kevin. And Kevin is someone that has a multiple personality disorder, and um, you kind of find out that not everybody inside his head agrees with uh, the fact that he has kidnapped these girls. So um, it sounds to me like a, a movie that would be really interesting that you really have this one actor that's going to be playing all these different parts. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious to see how James McAvoy does that. And uh, so I, this one, it sounds like it's getting good reviews. The uh, review that I read on io9, actually that's the one I've got open right in front of me, um, on io9 is uh, they are saying that it is probably one of his better movies in the last few years, which is not... I'm, I'm not saying that's. I'm not saying that means it's really, really good because some of his movies in the last few years have really been not good at all. Um, but uh, they do kind of make a comment in here that this particular twist ending may be one of his best twist endings ever. Um, so, and it's one that uh, that will leave people talking. So, knowing that when his earlier movies came out, Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and some of those other ones. Um, you know, I, I really liked his movies early on, and, and then they just kind of got a little repetitive um, and unsurprising as it went on. But uh, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing this one. I'll, I'll be curious to see this one. I think it's not officially coming out in theaters until January, if I saw that correctly. Uh, yes, opening January 20th, 2017. So we got a little bit of time before this one comes out. Um, but getting good reviews so far from the few reviews that I've seen online, and hopefully they keep the secret of what the ending is. Uh, until the movie comes out because nobody wants that stuff spoiled. Uh, and if you do, you're a horrible, horrible person. And um, that's all I'm going to say. But keep listening to the podcast because, I mean, even if you're a horrible person, we we want you to listen and we enjoy that you're here and, and all that fun stuff. All right. Shall we talk a little Mosquito Coast? I think we shall. Let's do it. All right, well, the movie we're talking about this time is The Mosquito Coast, The Mosquito Coast, and uh, originally was a novel written by Paul Thoreau. Uh, This one, this movie came out on November 26, 1986, was rated PG. The director is Peter Weir. He did Gallipoli, Witness, Dead Poet Society, The Truman Show, and Master and Commander. Producer on this one was Jerome Hellman. He did Midnight Cowboy and Coming Home. Writer on this one was Paul Thoreau, is listed as the novel writer. He also did a series uh, called London Embassy. Uh, another writer was Paul Schrader, who did the screenplay. He also did Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, music on this one was Maurice Jarre. He died in 2009. He did the music for Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Zhivago, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Enemy Mine, Dead Poet Society, and Ghost. Budget for this one was $25 million. The box office was $14.3 million. Harrison Ford played Ali Fox. He was in uh, these little tiny movies called Star Wars. Star, Star Wars? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Um, Indy, Indian, Indiana Jones. Um, 
I think there might have been a couple of those movies. I'm, I have to look for them. They might be kind of hard to find, but um, I'm, I'm sure you can get them. Maybe they're on Netflix or Hulu or MySpace or something. Um, they, oh, Blade Runner. I've seen that one. So Blade Runner, he was in that one too. And he was in a movie called The Fugitive. Um, he didn't do it, but Tommy Lee Jones doesn't care. So that's all you need to know about The Fugitive. Um, <clears throat> and and Provasic. Something about Provasic, but that's a different part of the movie. Um, Helen Mirren, who was in The Queen, which I mentioned earlier, did an amazing job as the Queen in that movie. That I really like that. I just now when I look at that pictures of her as the Queen, I think, look, that is the Queen. But no, she just did an amazing job. Uh, she plays Mother, the only character who's not really officially given a name. She's just referred to as Mother. Um, she was in 2010, the year we made contact. Calendar Girls, The Queen, and Monsters University. River Phoenix. Uh, died in 1993. Um, he played Charlie Fox, the eldest son of the Foxes. He was an explorer's Stand By Me, which we just did last week. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's one of those Indiana Jones movies I just mentioned a moment ago. And My Own Private Idaho. Jadrian Steele played Jerry Fox, one of the other children. And was in a TV show called Ryan's Hope and a TV show called The Secret Garden. Hillary Gordon played April Fox, one of the twins. She was in The Great Outdoors. Uh, Rebecca Fox, or Rebecca Gordon played Clover Fox, who was also in The Great Outdoors, one of the other twins. Uh, Conrad Roberts played Mr. Hattie. He was in The Mask of Zorro, Man on the Moon, and The Scorpion King. Andre Gregory played Reverend Spellgood. He was in The Last Temptation of Christ, Demolition Man, and The Shadow. Love Demolition Man. We're, we'll get to that at some point. That was like 93, maybe? It's, it's one of those movies. It's not a great movie, but I love that movie. So we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Um, okay, Martha Plimpton played Emily Smell, Smell Good. Let's learn to speak today. Let's have a language lesson real quick. When you see a letter P, it's pronounced P. P, not sm. It's spell good, not smell good. Although it could be Reverend Smell Good. Could be Emily Smell Good. Really doesn't matter. Just know it's the Reverend, it's his daughter, Martha Plimpton. That's who played her. It's all good. It's it's spelled good. And if I could read good, then it would all be fine. Uh, anyway, Martha Plimpton was in The Goonies, Parenthood, and I Shot Andy Warhol. Jason Alexander had a bit part in this. Uh, he was the clerk at the hardware store. He obviously was in the TV show Seinfeld, Pretty Woman, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and the TV show Duckman. Uh, Dick O'Neill, who died in 1998, played Mr. Polsky. He was in The Taking of Pelham 123, the 1974 version, The Jerk, and Prizzy's Honor. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one a 75%. Audience gives it a 61%. Siskel gave this movie a thumbs up. Ebert, however, gave this movie two stars. And he said, Some kinds of bores you will tolerate, and other kinds you will not. The Mosquito Coast has the misfortune to be about the second kind of bore about a man who is zealous in the pursuit of his obsessions long, long after they have ceased to interest anyone else. CinemaScore gave this a B-. The movie was nominated for a couple of different awards. Uh, first of all, nominated for a Golden Globe, actually two Golden Globes, one for Best Original Score and one for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama. Uh, won a Young Artist Award for River Phoenix as Best Young Male Superstar in Motion Pictures, and nominated uh, Martha Plimpton for Best Young Female Superstar in Motion Pictures. So that is the award section of this. Um, 
The summary of this one, a brilliant but unstable inventor and his family create what they hope will be their utopia in Central America. Let's listen to the trailer and we will be back in just a moment. We eat when we're not hungry. We buy what we don't need and throw away everything that's useful. There are people in New York that live on pet food and would kill you for a quarter. You don't dare take a walk for fear somebody will stick a knife in your ribs. Why sell a man what he wants? Sell him what he doesn't need. Pretend he's got eight legs and two stomachs and money to burn. It's wrong. Some said he was a genius. Honey, he's gonna love it. I'm gonna knock his socks off. I'm gonna straighten his hair. But Dad, what is it? It's perfection. That's what it is. Some thought it was madness. Nobody ever thinks of leaving this country. I do. I think about it every day. Tell him he is a dangerous man. And one of these days, he's going to get you all killed. He wanted to change the world. What is it you want? Elbow room. Come on. And when the world wouldn't listen. Goodbye, America. Have a nice day. He found a world that would. Can you see it, Mother? See what, Ali? Why, a beautiful house right in front of you. I mean, it's in a house. To a land trapped in the past. State your business, Reverend. It's the Lord's business. The Lord hasn't any idea this place exists. Came a man with a vision of the future. What? That's how they got you. This bottle can do magic. It's not magic. It's science. To a savage wilderness. There's hope here, Mother. There's hope here. Came a man at odds with himself. That's why I'm here! That's why I came! <laughs> a man who would take those who loved him. I missed my old home in there, Arthur. To the edge of civilization. I think something's going to happen. Oh my god! Why are you doing this to us? We cannot go back. And beyond. Harrison Ford in his most remarkable performance. All your work. So sorry. <laughs> I'm happy. We're free. The Mosquito Coast. So the Mosquito Coast, uh, Jack Nicholson was originally offered the part of Ali Fox. And uh, he turned it down when he discovered he would not be able to watch L.A. Laker games from Belize, where some of the filming was taking place. So back in the day before DVR or, I guess, recording them on a VHS tape. Um, seems strange, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Lakers fan, so maybe I don't get it. Uh, financial support for the movie fell through and production was put on hold. In the meantime, as Peter Weir worked on Witness with Harrison Ford and had a very successful release... Ford agreed to be in Mosquito Coast, and the financial backing suddenly magically reappeared. Um, when you get Harrison Ford in your project, you get money. River Phoenix and Martha Plimpton began dating during the filming of this movie. Uh, working together on this film led Harrison Ford to recommend River Phoenix for the part of young Henry Jones Jr. in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And according to a River Phoenix biography titled Lost in Hollywood, uh, he used his free time in Belize to seek out cocaine and alcohol. So kind of a really sad story about River Phoenix if you haven't read anything about it. But he, at a very young age, um, got into drugs and alcohol and, and had a lot of issues. And this kind of came up a little bit when we talked about Stand By Me, that this was something uh, Corey Feldman and himself obviously had some 
very rough pasts and um, Corey Feldman's past lasted longer than River Phoenix past did. Uh, River Phoenix passed away in 1993 and was not very old at the time. Uh, shortly, not too long after he had done Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, so um, so that was it was just kind of a, a sad story of the the drugs and alcohol that messed him up from a very young age. Um, a couple things about this one. Harrison Ford had said in a December 1986 interview regarding the negative critical reviews, he said, quote, critics see a film and then rush to review it. This is the sort of movie that really doesn't sink home for about three days. It is disturbing and makes you think. It stays with you. That was kind of something that I thought in watching this movie. I had never seen this movie before. This was the first time I watched it. And I like Harrison Ford. I like a lot of his different roles that he's been in. And obviously by this time... We've seen him in roles. He's been in comedy. He's been in drama. He's he's been in um, serious movies. He's been in action movies. But at this time, he had done pretty much Star Wars, Indiana Jones. He had done these big action franchise movies. Blade Runner uh, he had done. And he had just finished Witness. And so that was a, a, another serious role for him. And, uh, you know, one in which he, you know, was, was ready to win some awards. And... Then along came Mosquito Coast, and this, and Harrison Ford has said, um, and I, I forget where the interview was, but he had said at one point in time that this was his favorite role. I don't know if that's still true today, but at one point in time he said this was his favorite role because I, th I think it felt like he was being stretched. Like this wasn't the swinging, shooting action part that he had had up to this point um, for a good portion of the 70s and 80s, but this was more of a... A psychological role, a man dealing with his obsessions, um, that he could, as an actor, that he could really kind of try to stretch himself, and and uh, so he just really enjoyed this particular role. Um, <clears throat> so there's a couple things about Mosquito Coast that um, I think I really enjoyed. I mean, some of the different themes of the movie. You have the theme of someone who is obsessed, the theme of obsession, and in the Mosquito Coast, it really is a it's it's a uh, an examination of um, a man who is obsessed with the idea that the world is falling apart, that it's he's the only person that can save himself and save his family. And I, I wish some of the other guys were here to talk through this with me, and and maybe we can kind of talk about this a little bit next time when when everybody's here. But it seemed to me in watching this movie that it was a very timely movie, that this is one that I could completely, if I, if I didn't know that River Phoenix was dead, and if I didn't know Harrison Ford was a lot older, um, I could take this movie out of 1986, and I feel like it would still be relevant today. Like, this is one of those movies that it doesn't necessarily have to be in any kind of a time period. The type of things that he's complaining about... Um, you know, as America's, it's, what is it, I think he calls it at one point, like, America, this place is a toilet, um, you know, or, or this place is a garbage heap, or I, I forget exactly how he says it, but um, it's, I mean, he, he sees America as a place that's falling apart, that it's too corporate, it's too commercial, it's too weak, it's, it's not the America that it should be, and, and uh, that, you know, his liberties would be taken away and it, so it just seems like he's he's a very much a, a anti-government anti uh corporation anti-corporate um 
I don't say freedom fighter, that's not the right word, but uh, a revolutionary or rebel. He, he doesn't want to have any part in the society that he sees around him. And he thinks he's got ideas on how to make it better. But at the same time, he also looks at America and thinks, okay, America's done. I, I as one person, there's nothing I can do to change this. But maybe I can take my family, move them somewhere else, and maybe we can make a new life uh, in a place where we can build the type of society that America should have been. Um, so I don't know, I was trying to think back to in watching the movie, if, if there was a time period that he saw as being one that was perfect, that, you know, if, if you just go back to the 1800s, then things would be great. Or if you just go back to 1930 or, or whatever, 1930 is not a good example, but, um, you know, if you go back to the 50s and you've got the traditional family values that you know, people in the 80s would always talk about from the, <clears throat> from the 50s, not just the 80s, but um, you get the idea. And I, I don't know if there's a particular time period that he would look at and say that, like that's what America was and it should be, and let's make America great again. So um, I jokingly tweeted that out the other day that Ali Fox wanted to make America great again, and look how that worked out for him. Um, <clears throat> but it is, and that's one of the things that makes me think this is very timely because we do have a lot of people now who are anti-government, they're anti-corporate, they're their, their concern that America is falling apart, and not only that America is falling apart, I mean, some people take it to the extreme that it, it's the end of the world, it's, um, you know, society is totally against them, that, um, you know, and, and I'm not turning this into a political podcast, but I, I just want to make the point to say that this is something, it seems like that hasn't changed. If, if Ali Fox was, if the type of character Ali Fox was is alive and well in the 80s, He's definitely alive and well in 2016. So I think it's really interesting. If if you have not seen this movie, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not seen this movie, I really think this would be a good movie to go take a look at now because it just, some of the different themes, some of the ideas, some of the, the ways that he talks about um, corporate America and he talks about, you know, we eat when we're not hungry. We buy things we don't need. We, uh, you know, it's, it's just, we're, we're, feeding this machine, and it's a lot of stuff you hear today. So th this I really thought was kind of an interesting movie in that it just it, it just sounds like he could be talking about 2016, um, but knowing that this movie was made 30 years ago. So to me, that's an interesting thing where you've gone a third of a century and some of this has not changed. Maybe it's gotten worse. I, I will let you be the judge of that. So his whole obsession with, well, let, let me, I'll back up just a little bit. <clears throat> so his obsession with society and how things are working, um, kind of, you see this in the beginning when he goes and wants to um, buy something from the hardware store and he gets upset because it's, um, I forget if he said it was Japanese, if it was made in Japan or made in China, he's like, I don't want that, I want, I want American. I want, if, if it's made in America, then I know it's good and I want it made from America. Um, so you kind of see the beginnings of, <clears throat> well, and he's, he's also talking to his son about how things are wrong and messed up. And, and then you kind of see that uh, he has decided that um, America's just not the place for his family, that they're going to leave. You know, you have some people with the current election saying, if so-and-so gets elected, I'm going to Canada or I'm going somewhere else. Uh, Ali Fox actually went. So he got his family and uh, took his family on the boat and they went off and... Um, I don't remember if they ever say uh, where the town of Geronimo is, um, but in an area referred to as the Mosquito Coast, which I 
believe is supposed to be in or near Honduras. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. I thought I had that in my notes here, but I think it's around or near Honduras. Those of you who may know this can can correct me. Um, but he, so they they kind of think, and I think his wife thinks that this is just a, a little a little trip, uh, or maybe that they're going to go live there for a little while, like missionaries or something like that, even though he's not a fan of missionaries at all. Um, but I think he thinks that they're going to go, I think she thinks they're going to go and stay there for a little while, and then that they're going to come back at some point. He has every intention of just staying there. Um, he even goes, I did like that one part where they're on the boat, and he comes back, and he tells his wife that he's bought a town, and she just kind of stares at him, not quite sure exactly what to do with him. Um, and he just, I bought a town. It's a town named Geronimo. I bought it. It's ours. We're going to live there. Um and while they're on the boat, they they interact with the spell goods, uh, the missionary family, and um, so you get to you get to Geronimo, and uh, you meet Mister Hattie, and he takes Allie and his family <clears throat> on a boat. Um, they get to Geronimo, and they find kind of a, a broken down little house, and they meet the Maywits, and um, you know, I think there's maybe a couple of other people there too, and uh, immediately, immediately they get to work and they start building up this uh, this little settlement. Um, and he's just got these grand plans for, we're going to build a house here. It's going to be a beautiful house. And, and, um, you know, he, he's running around telling people, you know, what to do and how to start building. And, and he's, you know, he's the mayor of the town now cause he bought the town. Um, but the other funny part is as he's running around telling people what to do, he's also telling them what's wrong with America. And I, I thought about this when I was watching it. I made the connection, but then, and I don't want to steal anybody else's stuff. Um, there was a... Uh, a video I found on YouTube, I think it was called Hidden Gems or Hidden Cinema Gems. Um, and they also made the same connection that he's talking to these people and they have no clue what he's talking about. He's talking about what he thinks is wrong with America. And he's like, well, if you go to New York City, you're, you're just as likely to get shot. I mean, they'll, they'll just shoot you for no reason. And, and he's telling this to the indigenous people of Geronimo. And Either they don't understand what he's saying or they really could care less because they've never been to New York City. They don't know. And it reminded me of, because uh, we had watched it not that long ago, it reminded me of In the Three Amigos. And this other um, this other YouTube channel that did a review of um, Mosquito Coast made the exact same connection. And it was when Martin Short is talking to the, um, the kids in the village and they probably don't understand most of what he's saying. And he's telling them the story of Dorothy Gish. And he's just, ah! Ugh, Dorothy Gish, and he, he's just going through like, like everybody should know who he's talking about, and and everybody should think that the the story is just as funny, and it's funny to watch Harrison Ford, Ali Fox, walk back and forth with these people and just keep spouting his obsession to all these people, and that he's expecting them to agree with him. Like, there's not any question. He's not. It's almost not like he's trying to convince them he's just telling them as if you know you, you agree with me right it's you know it's New York right these people have never been to New York they've never seen or probably even heard of New York so they have no clue um so I just kind of thought that was a little funny he then starts building a machine that he calls the fat boy and this is kind of what you saw at the very beginning of the movie this was the invention that is supposed to create ice um and he decides that he is going to take this and help civilize the Mosquito Coast, uh, the Geronimo area, by bringing them ice that they've never seen before. Um, 
And so they they make some ice and they find out that there is a uh, there's a village with um, some natives that are up in the in the mountains. And so they spend I think it seems like it's a couple of days. They go up there, they take some ice with them, and they're gonna give that to them as a gift. And uh, by the time they get there, unfortunately, the ice has melted. And they they do find that there are three white men living with the uh, natives, and they think that they're prisoners at first, but then as they get back to Geronimo, they do find that um, the men were either mercenaries or, or terrorists of some kind and, and um, criminals of some kind, and they actually come to Geronimo, they come to his village, and they basically want to move in, and they are, you know, he does his best to kind of play dumb, and he ends up getting them into um, Fat Boy, into the giant building that is Fat Boy, and he tells him that those are the the sleeping quarters, and so he gets them in there, and then late at night, he ends up locking the door and setting it up so that they would freeze to death. Uh, what ends up happening, though, is they start, they panic inside when they're locked inside and they're starting to freeze. They panic, they start firing their guns, and the ammonia and the other chemicals ignite, and Fat Boy explodes. And so they end up losing their entire village that they built, and they um, realize the chemicals have seeped into the water, and they've poisoned that part of the river, so they need to move on and go somewhere else. And that's where, you know, I, I enjoyed the movie, and but it reached a point where Harrison Ford's character, I saw a lot of reviews where they accuse him of, of kind of being over the top um, with the acting and, and with that character. I didn't necessarily see it as being over the top, but it definitely quickly escalated into a very unlikable territory. Um, it, it just reached a point where the way he treated his children, I understand it, his obsession. There were times, though, where the way he treated his children, the obsession took place over the children. And I know that that's totally a realistic thing, um, but you, you definitely were not rooting for this guy. And part of that, I think, being because the the story was told through the eyes of um, Charlie, of his oldest son, of River Phoenix character. character, And so I think that kind of helped to see, you know, we're looking at this from the perspective of the son. Um, so you've got a whole thing going about the father-son relationship. And, um, you know, we, we feel sorry for the kids. And we see that the, some of the kids even start to hate their father. And one even comments, it was Jerry, the second oldest boy, um, comments that he wants his father dead. Like he would even try to kill him if he could so that they could just go back to America and this whole thing would be done. Um, the other character that I thought was, was a very interesting character was Mother, was Helen Mirren's character. And um, some of the other reviews that I had read said that you know, she's her character is ridiculous because why would she ever go along with this? Why would she ever even have children with this guy? Um, but in watching the movie, you get the sense that yes, he had you know some ideas, some anti-corporate, anti-government ideas. Um, you know, when they lived in America, but it, it seems like those had grown over time. You know, it seems like you know people had people knew him and people knew that. Uh, he was maybe a bit eccentric, but that it hadn't necessarily reached a point where he was dangerous. And so I, I read a few reviews of people saying, you know, he, you know, mother totally should have known that he was dangerous and never have taken her children into this situation before. Well, then I thought, okay, well, well then think about person-wise, 
what about missionaries? Like you, you have the other missionary family. Now, just because he has a something that he's something he believes in, something that ultimately does become an obsession, something he believes in, he's willing to take his family to another country and he is going to bring scientific knowledge to the native people. He's going to help civilize this area um, and make it what America should have been. And he's going to take his family to do that. And to me, that doesn't seem too different than what a missionary would do. It just happens to be that it's science and he becomes a little more obsessed than you would hope. Um, that's also not to say that that doesn't necessarily happen with missionaries sometimes. I'm, I'm not saying that missionaries are bad. And I'm not saying that every single time they're absolute saints. I'm, I'm just saying that if you're looking at a study of a character that he, as much as he doesn't like the spell goods, um, he himself is a bit of a missionary. Now, it's it's an atheistic missionary, or he, he kind of admits, or he says sometimes that there's a God, but he doesn't believe that God's really done a great job or that God's fully paying attention. Um, but I thought that part was kind of interesting, that he's he's almost like his own type of missionary. And I don't know that... I don't know that you can say that he was endangering the lives of his family by taking them out here into this part of the world and, and doing what he's doing. I think if you said that, you'd have to say that a missionary is doing the same thing. And are they going into a dangerous area? Maybe, but granted, as he said, no dangerous than New York, no dangerous than you know going into Chicago right now. So I don't know that I I don't know that I look at the character of mother and say that she's a horrible mother and a horrible wife because she allowed him to do this to their family. Now, later on in the movie, maybe she should have spoken up a little bit more, but it's also it also then becomes a, a bit of abusive uh, relationship because he kind of he, he acts this way towards everybody. It's like, "Fine, if you want to go, then just go. But don't ever come back again. Like don't don't ever I don't ever want to see you again. If you leave, then you're done." You're out of here. You're not part of this family anymore. And he says that to his kids. And that was the tough part for me to watch. I get where he was going as, as a character. I get it. And, and I appreciated the acting that he was doing. But that was just tough to watch. I mean, I would never speak to a child. I'd never speak to anybody's child that way, much less my own children. Um, so that was a little bit of a tough part to watch. But I, definitely a, a, you know, a great job that Harrison Ford did um, with this character as, as an actor. Um, so a couple of other things about this movie. Um, <clears throat> oh, I, I was going to say, I also had a, even though Roger Ebert did not care for this movie and gave it two stars, he did say about Harrison Ford, uh, a brilliant performance, so effective indeed that we can hardly stand to spend two hours in the company of this consummate jerk, um, which I think is really true. It's it just kind of, his character keeps getting more and more intense as the movie goes on. And sometimes it does get to a point where you're kind of like, I, there were a couple times I was rooting for this guy at the beginning of the movie, but now I don't think so, so much. So as it goes on in the movie, he does take his family and they, they kind of stubbornly, well, he stubbornly will not allow them to go uh, settle with Mr. Hattie and his family. Um, and so they stay on the coast, even though he, Mr. Hattie tells them it's not safe there, that there'll be a flood and they'll lose everything they've got. They stay there anyway. There is a flood. They lose everything they've got. Uh, ultimately, he kind of snaps at the end, and he goes to attack the reverend. He goes to like start to burn down his church because he just gets so upset. And in in the midst of that whole thing happening, the reverend comes out and fires a gun into the woods at who he thinks is an intruder. Ends up shooting Allie, and the 
final part of the movie is that Allie does end up dying from his gunshot wound and the family hopefully can end up going back home. Um, and so uh, that part of it to me was, was also interesting because you had, you know, you had the kids that wish their dad was dead, but then now all of a sudden he, he is dying and you almost get the sense of like, they've got this look on their face that, well, okay, we're, we're devastated that he's going to die, but at the same time, in a way, we're kind of free now that this was not going to end up in a good place for all of us if dad was still in charge. Um, and so you kind of get that sense from the kids is that they're a little bit torn. Now, obviously, they're, they are sad and they're devastated that their dad is going to die, but um, you, know, you also kind of get that sense that they're, they're, they're seeing this as an opportunity as well. Last thing I want to mention that I thought was kind of interesting was the whole idea of he's gone off to create this paradise um, on the other side of the world. And he really, when he gets there, his kids actually do a better job of living in paradise than he does. Like they, they go play in the woods and they, um, you know, they, they kind of build their own little playhouse and um, they're much better at that than he is. He goes there and builds an American style house or as close as you can get to it. And he wants to have air conditioning and he wants to build the ice and, and ice is civilization. And that's what he's bringing to people. That's why he's here. Um, and he wants to have a, uh, uh, an artificial pond where they can stock fish and he wants to plant crops and he in, in rows and, and to do all that. And so it's funny that he wants to go off and have this, um, this paradise somewhere else. Like he, he wants to go and he wants to buy the town of Geronimo and he wants to, um, which, oddly enough, then you go back even further to that, and it's like, well, if you're really trying to get away from America and what you think has corrupted America, why are you going and buying a town? I would imagine it might be the native people's philosophy that nobody owns this area. We just happen to live here, um, and yet you come along and you buy the town, and you now own that area. It's yours. It's your property. And you're going to set it up to be like a little mini Western civilization in the midst of something that's not Western civilization. So that I thought was kind of funny as well, that as he's totally, as part of his obsession, he's totally ready to create this little American town uh, in the middle of the Mosquito Coast. And yet his kids are doing just fine, you know, playing in the woods and dealing with all that stuff and living in nature. And um, so his... Was that uh, a line from Doc Holliday in uh, Tombstone? My hypocrisy only goes so far. Um, so I, I thought that was just kind of funny that that's his whole obsession is to get away from America, and yet he ends up creating a little piece of America when he does get away. Well, I think that's going to do it for the Mosquito Coast. If Again, if you have not seen this movie, it was a good movie. I would definitely recommend it. Um, I, I will be curious to hear what the other guys think, um, but I definitely recommend this movie. It is one that is a little bit harder to find, um, and it's not one that's, you know, usually when you list off movies that Harrison Ford has been in, this is not one that you think of. I had never heard of this movie before, um, before we were making up the list of the 1986 films that we wanted to take a look at this year. Um, and initially it wouldn't have, it did not make the cut for the movies we were going to talk about this year, but I'm glad that it did. Cause I'm glad that I watched it. It is one of those movies that though it's made in 1986, um, it's timely. It's timely for today. I, these are some of the, th some of the things he spouts or some of the things that I hear on the news. Um, and so 
it is it is a character study of uh, someone who is obsessed with getting away from the corruption that they believe exists and what happens when they maybe take that obsession just a little bit too far, which I guess is the definition of obsession. Um, but a good movie. It's a, it's a good movie. Ignore the negative reviews that it got uh, when it came out. It's If you want to see Harrison Ford in a role that is not an action role, um, but more of a psychological exploration of this character, then this is a good movie for that. Uh, it's also rated PGs, and I don't recall, I'm trying to remember, if it doesn't seem like there was a lot of language in the movie. There was a little bit here and there, um, maybe, but, you know, nothing nothing so bad that, that you couldn't, um, you know, that you couldn't watch this with uh, kids, you know, probably not younger kids because of some of the situations in the movie, but, um, you know, definitely something that if you were going to watch it with your family to talk about some of the themes that exist within here. Um also, if you were going to be, like if you were a teacher and you were going to use this for a class of yours, um, I, I actually did find an entire discussion guide on this movie related to the book and the movie uh, online, and it had activities for students to do, and so I thought that was kind of interesting as well. So if you have not seen Mosquito Coast, my recommendation, go take a look at it. Um, it was a good movie, a good role by Harrison Ford. If it's one that he believes is one of his best roles ever, then... I think it's worth watching if you're a Harrison Ford fan. Helen Mirren also does a great job in the movie, too. River Phoenix, um, sadly, he didn't get to live long enough to to do some other great acting roles, but uh, he does really well in this one, too. Um, so go take a look at it if you had not before. And uh, that's going to do it for our discussion of the Mosquito Coast. Where can you find us in the meantime? Uh, if you want to find out more about our podcast, you can head over to 30podcast.com. That has all the different ways that you can get in touch with us. Uh, it's got our email address, our voicemail line, our Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. We're in all those places. Most of them you can find by looking for 30podcast, 30podcast. Um, if you want to find us, we are on Stitcher. We are on Satchel. Uh, we are on Google Play Podcasts, we're on iTunes, where you could listen to it directly from 30podcast.com. Uh, we also have a forum on our website, 30podcast.com, where you can uh, request or suggest movies. So if we have not covered a movie uh, from 1986 that you think is a really good one, we don't have much time left, so we're very quickly approaching the end of the year. So let us know that. If you've got some coming up for 1987, we'd love to hear that as well, because we are currently in the process of putting that list together. Um and probably maybe actually we'll, we'll share that out. I've got that on a Google Doc. Uh, maybe we'll share that out and, and let people see that so that you can get an idea of kind of what we're looking at for the year. And if you have any suggestions uh, for us, then you can always send those in. But we love to have your feedback. Um, we, we would like to know how we're doing, what you're enjoying about the show, um, maybe what's bothering you, whatever you want. We just we want to make this a good show for you. Um, and we want to make it a, a show that you enjoy coming back and listening to each week. So please, please, please. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Leave us some feedback, either email, go on iTunes and leave us a rating on there. Um, but coming up, and, and before I go, I, I will say I am supremely excited about the next month because it is October. I am, okay, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite times of year is fall, and one of my absolute favorite times of year is Halloween. I love Halloween. Had always had so much fun with Halloween as a kid. We'd have big family parties because my grandmother, uh, her birthday is on Halloween. So I just remember that as being a really fun time of year. Um, and there's some really good scary movies that uh, that are out, uh, coming out, uh, that we're going to be talking about that came out in 1986. 
Gonna try to do an episode in October on the Razzies of 1986, so some of the worst movies that were released in the year. Um, but then we've also got coming up in October, and Pat, uh, if he's listening to this, he probably won't be joining us because he can't handle scary movies. Um, but we're gonna be looking at, coming up here in the next week, we're gonna be looking at Poltergeist 2, because God is in his holy temple. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we're also gonna be looking at the movie House, very creepy. Uh, little Shop of Horrors, a little less scary, a little more funny, a little more musical. So, uh, and The Fly. Now we're going to be talking obviously about the 1986 Fly, but I also am going to be watching the uh, 1950s. I forget exactly what year it was, but I think it was 1950. 53? 54? People are yelling at their phones uh, on their podcast app right now because they probably know exactly what year the original Fly came out. But. Uh, and then towards the end of the month or sometime in October, we are also going to finish off our um, exploration of comics of 1986. Um, and we are going to be talking about the Dark Knight Returns comic by Frank Miller that came out in 86. So looking forward to all of those things in October. If you have got some feedback or you've got some other things that you want to say related to those movies, Poltergeist 2, House, Little Shop of Horrors, The Fly, and even the Dark Knight Returns comic book or the Razzies of 1986 please let us know. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, otherwise, in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Keep those uh, flux capacitors fluxing. And in the meantime, go check out some good movies. We'll see you all later.